And now, it's time for Blazer's Edge. Blake to inbound. The Blazers have a 20-second timeout. Nate McMillan deciding whether to use it. Blake now throws to Roy. Brandon, a three-pointer out front. Hit it! Yes, he did! Oh, yeah! Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. Hey, hey, welcome into another edition of Blazers Edge Radio right here on X-Ray FM. I am your host, Ryan Buchanan. My normal co-host, Sam Arnold, out today in a shocking development. Uh, he is under the weather, but we've got uh, Stephen Glickman, our, our wonderful board operator, uh, sliding into the uh, co-host seat today. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We were off uh, last week, and now we're back at it better than ever to talk blazers first things first steven how you doing today i'm doing pretty well i mean i made it in you yeah. made it in yeah so that's a start and we'll t- we'll, t- we'll take that uh it has been a a bit of a better stretch for the blazers as they went through a very very rough period where they had lost eight games uh you know they were on their third string point guard in skylar mays they brought in jamari bouye uh, to fill in as the backup, and they were just really, really struggling, uh, particularly to score the basketball, and that was a key issue uh, for the Blazers. But the last three games have actually been pretty good. Um, starting to get guys back healthy. Malcolm Brogdon back in there. He's been huge. And then uh, the return of Scoot Henderson, which I was really, really pleased with, Stephen. I know we talked a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned that I wouldn't be surprised if his absence stretched out a little bit longer, perhaps into early December. Uh, but he was able to come back for that game against Utah almost a week ago now, Wednesday, November 22nd. So that was actually a little bit ahead of schedule. So uh, great development there. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Blazers is that a lot of things are going right for them. Uh, they, they, You know, like you said, guys are coming back from injury. Uh, I think that you look at Shaden Sharp, he's having a chance to really flourish. Uh, I like the fact that they've actually used a traditional starting lineup with two forwards, mm-hmm. two guards. Dubani Kamara has been starting alongside uh, uh, Jeremy Grant. Yeah, and the fact that they have a G League team associated with them now is, I think, is also helping them and you know I, I've talked about you know take a step back philosoph- philosophically you know what do you want from a basketball team you want them to be competitive and fun to watch well the Blazers are starting to become a competitive team that's fun to watch yeah they really are and there's really only been the one game uh, all year really uh, well I guess there was two there was the game against Philly way early on but uh, then that game uh, about a week and a half ago against OKC where they just got absolutely obliterated by, what, 43 points? So that was not great. Yeah. <laughs> but ever since then, they've really bounced back and have been playing pretty strong. They've won two out of three, should have been three out of three. They had a historic uh, collapse against the Bucks that we'll talk about. But, um, yeah, guys are getting back healthy, and uh, lo and behold, uh, the team looks a whole lot better. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm interested in your take on 
Scoot Henderson's coming off the bench now, mm-hmm. and I think it's a good idea. Yes. I'm a little surprised that it's happening. Yes, I think. Yeah, uh, I am also surprised. As I, I the first game, yeah, you figured kind of they're getting him back in there, but that's now three games now where he's been coming off the bench, and I, I really like it. I really, I think it's. A, I know we don't talk very highly of Chauncey Billups on this on this show, but I've got to give him credit because I, I think it's really helping Scoot Henderson and, you know, Malcolm Brogdon's clearly a, a starting caliber point guard and he helps everybody get better in that starting unit. You take a little bit of pressure off sh- or uh, off, uh, excuse me, Scoot Henderson. And, and he's really, after that first game, he had a rough game back against the Utah Jazz, uh, you know, missing several weeks. So that's to be expected um, in that game. Uh, Scoot Henderson, uh, one of seven from the field. Uh, however, he did, to his credit, have seven assists. So it's, and that's the kind of player he is: is that he does not need to score to have an impact on this team. Also, a terrific defender uh, as well. He has been getting into foul trouble a bit as of late, but uh, I liked it. Even though on a night when he was just really struggling to score, he was still able to distribute seven assists in 17 minutes. That's a that's a really good um, mark right there for him. Just three points in that game so that was nice to see and then you really saw him bounce back against the Milwaukee Bucks and now he started to get his his shot going 27 minutes most of his damage coming in the first half as most of the Blazers damage in general came in the first half of this game they didn't do much of anything in the second half but 27 strong minutes goes 5 of 10 for the field hit three three pointers all kind of within a, a flurry of a stretch there 13 points four boards for him um, just the one assist in this game, although Malcolm Brogdon had uh, 12, so he was uh, taking the reins there. But really liked it. We saw Scoot really for the first time show that he can shoot after all, as that was the big knock on him coming into the NBA was that he was not a good uh, scoring player, particularly shooting, particularly from the outside. And I, he's still not great, but uh, this was certainly a huge step in the right direction for him. So I, I really en- have enjoyed watching him come off the bench and get better each and every game. Uh, now, he did take a, a slight step backwards uh, in uh, yesterday's game against the uh, Pacers, but he still, he was 4 of 10, but he still knocked down a couple three-pointers. Uh, so that was good to see another 13-point effort from him. Again, just the one assist, so we're not quite seeing the uh, assist numbers that we saw against the Utah Jazz. Um, but I really, really like seeing him come off the bench, and I feel like he's he's getting comfortable again. And I feel like it was maybe a little bit much to uh, just anoint him the starting point guard coming out of playing in the G League. And so I think that's being corrected. Had a little bit of time away. Looks like that was good for him. Clear his head a little bit. And now he looks like he's back on the on the right path of what Blazer fans expected him to be coming into this season. You know, there was another thing with Scoot Henderson, which is within the span of like, it felt like 15 minutes. It was announced that Scoot Henderson was going to be assigned to the uh, Rip City Remix and rehab there. You figure two or three games, Mm -hmm. and then immediately he was in the starting lineup that night. And I think that they may have had a conversation with him, and he said, I'm not going back to the G League, period. And which I get, and I think that's a good attitude. And they're like, great, then you're coming off the bench. We don't know that that happened, but that would sound like it would happen. But one of the things about the Blazers, the oldest guy on the team, is Malcolm Brogdon. He's 30. The oldest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. So it's a young team. Now, traditionally what happens is you're an en- you're a 
college star, you get drafted, you go to summer league. They give you ten fouls, and you got you foul like eight times a game. Uh-huh. Scoot Henderson, or if you're Greg Oden, you use up all ten in about three minutes. <laughs> right now, so Scoot Henderson, he's already been through that process. So, but what I'm looking at is a Tumani Kamara. Here's a guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's really excited about him. Great guy off the bench. Now he's a starter. What's going to happen? It's the NBA process. People are going to push you around. They're going to try and get you in foul trouble. They're mm-hmm. going to figure out what you're doing and try and stuff it. And you've got to come back with a revised way that you score and defend. You know, and it's like, it, that, that's the development. So I think that maybe uh, Tumani Kamara hasn't done as well since he's been the starting lineup. But this is what you do with a young team. You let players develop. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, uh, Speaking of Tumani Kamaria, yeah, his production has is, is dipped a little bit, but I think that's what you, you know, you're playing alongside of Jeremy Grant, who's really, he had a slow start the year. He's really stepped things up. He's been a leading scorer. I was just looking. He has been the leading scorer for the Blazers for the last 12 games. So he has really stepped things up, uh, particularly in the absence of Amferty Simons. Uh, Shaden Sharp has fallen off a little bit. The, the uh, efficiency not quite there. You got to wonder if there's some fatigue setting in when he was playing upwards of 40 minutes every single night with your your backcourt depth just absolutely decimated. I'm not worried about Shaden Sharp. I think he's going to be just fine going through a little bit of a rough period right now. But you've got guys like Grant and Brogdon and DeAndre Ayton who has been tremendous on the offensive end picking it up. And I think if, if you're Kamara when you're playing against this starting lineup – uh, you're just not going to get the ball. And I think that's the key for him is that his role in this starting lineup is to be a th- the, the quintessential 3-and-D guy, play hard-nosed defense. You're probably going to take on the, the best or the second-best offensive player on the opposing team, and then uh, you're going to get some opportunities for some good looks beyond the three-point line. He's showed he can knock that down, and that's going to be his role. They don't need him to score 15 points a game. They need him to be a role player, and I think he's adjusting to that, and, and I, I really like seeing him in the starting lineup. Well, if you you know if you want to take like a, a Dylan Sage-esque approach and get really into the numbers, the thing you should be looking at is what's the plus or minus of having Kamara and Grant in at the same time? Because it doesn't matter absolutely what Kamara does on his own. It matters like he's opening the door for Jeremy Grant to be a very competitive small forward, yep. which is everything I've asked for. And I don't know if I said this, but I thought that Grant being signed for $28 million a year was not a bad deal. I thought, like, I had no problem with that. My problem is Chauncey Billups. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's, I'm really interested to see how long Jeremy Grant sticks around with this team. You know, will it, will he still be here towards the end of that of that contract, or will they look to move him? Clearly, not on the same time. I think he's what 29. He's a, he's I think a year younger than um, Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, he's 29. Uh, he's 29, and then I think your only other guy. Um, <laughs> I think your third oldest guy is Duop Reith. I believe he's 27. So you've just got an yeah. e- extremely young team. You know, we've talked about that the, there's certainly a possibility of Malcolm Brogdon getting moved possibly at the deadline. Although, I don't know. They seem to uh, they seem to have hit on something right here with him being the starter and Scoot being the backup. So maybe uh, maybe you kind of hold off on that because you're looking big picture here, right? You're looking at what is the best thing for Scoot Henderson. Right now, this is the best thing for Scoot Henderson is being able to learn behind a, a veteran, a pro's pro, and a Malcolm Brogdon. Take a little bit of that pressure, as I mentioned, off of Scoot Henderson, and we're seeing him deliver. Uh, so I wouldn't, at this point, with the way things are going, 
instead of trying to, you know, maximize the value of Malcolm Brogdon, get a few more pieces, I think uh, maybe hold on to him and, and really lean on him for that for that veteran experience, uh, because at the end of the day, that could be more beneficial to you. Um, and you mentioned Dylan Sage, and I'm glad you did because he's actually going to be joining us a little bit later. Uh, it's time to start talking draft. I mean, listen, the Blazers, I know they're playing a little bit better, but they're still 5-12 and 12 on the year. It's certainly looking like they're going to be in the lottery. College ball is underway, so we're going to get our resident draft guru in here to uh, to talk about some prospects to keep an eye on as the as the college season uh, continues to progress here. We just had most of the you know holiday tournaments, and we're – we're about a month or so away from from conference play, so we're going to give you some some players to keep an eye on. As you always got to be looking ahead with Portland. Looks like they're going to get another draft, uh, a top pick in the draft. We're going to be talking with some of our favorite prospects with Dylan Sage, uh, Stephen. I want to go back quickly to the Utah Jazz game. This is ancient history at this point, as it was last Wednesday. But I I would be remiss if I didn't mention the incredible game that Jabari Walker had in this game. Best game of his career by far. This is a guy that has really, really stepped up his level of play. Lest we forget, he was the second-to-last pick in the 2022 draft. The second-to-last pick in the 2022 draft. And, you know, he played sparingly last year. Wasn't able to get in there as much as as I was hoping. Uh, But he has really taken on a much bigger role this year, particularly in the absence of of Robert Williams, who will be out for the rest of the year. The Blazers are either, you, you go with the Duop Reith as your backup center, or you can go a little bit smaller with Jabari Walker as the small ball five, and he has proven more than capable at that. 19 points, 10 rebounds, first double-double for Jabari Walker, and I think the first to many are what's going to come from him. i got to give him his flowers for this great performance against the Utah Jazz that snapped the eight-game losing streak, uh, really set a great tone. And then you go into these games over the past weekend, you know, you had just a, an absolutely brilliant first half against the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks could not uh, imagine them playing a whole lot better, uh, if you think about it. 68 points against the Bucks in the first half. You were 9 of 13 from three-point land. The offense has been the big struggle throughout this year. Obviously, it's gotten significantly better with Malcolm Brogdon back in the fold. Uh, no question about that. But then, unfortunately, the second half happened, and they weren't quite able to keep up with it. The offense went cold. You scored just 34 points in the second half, just 14 in the fourth quarter. The Bucks weren't great in this game. They only got 108 points. They were without Chris Middleton, but they still had Giannis, who was dominant, as is to be expected. Damian Lillard had an up-and-down night, slow start but uh, finished strong, and he had a big fourth quarter with 11 points in this game. They both got uh, over 30 points uh, for Milwaukee, and Milwaukee outscores Portland by 19 in the fourth quarter, and that was all she wrote. Now, there was a, a overturned call late in this game that definitely hurt the Blazers. They were down two, about 15 or so seconds to go. There was a foul called on Giannis, on Malcolm Brogdon would have been his sixth foul would have put Brogdon at the line with a chance to tie the game perhaps this game's going to overtime instead the call was overturned uh, Giannis stays in the game and the Bucks ice the game away at the foul line but as we've talked about before yes it hurts to blow a 26 point lead which was the uh, largest blown lead in the NBA this season it, I I am confident when I say that will not be the biggest by the end of the year. Somebody's going to blow a 30-point lead. We see it all the time. I was a little surprised that 26 is the highest this year with with how often you see these giant leads blown in the NBA. But I, I think 
I don't want to get too bogged down in the in the doom and gloom of the collapse because again, your team your team that's five and twelve right now this year is all about development and what you saw in that first half is what this team is capable of when they're firing all cylinders. And I think that's the big takeaway. You would have loved to see him keep it going uh, throughout the whole night against a legitimate championship contender. Probably, I mean, I would say a, a legit top four championship contender. Uh, but the fact that you dropped 68 on him in the first half is, uh, has got to be making you feel good about the uh, the potential for this team, especially a team that struggled so much offensively. To, so to see it against a team like the Bucs was, uh, was phenomenal, Stephen. The, the Blazers scored 82 points in 28 minutes and then scored 20 points the rest of the way, Yep, which is mind-boggling. And the, the thing that you have to look at there is what what happened? Why did, you know, why did the Blazers struggle so much? Well, first of all, they're playing against Damian Lillard, who knows their system. So they have a plus with that. They're playing against one of the top three players in the league in uh, Anadokounmpo. It, they're on the road. They're a young team. I, I think this is, again, speaks to... Now, this could have happened to anybody with any coach. I mean, this could have happened to Greg Popovich. But I don't think it would have because if they would have right, righted the ship, they scored 30 points down in the last 20 minutes, which yeah. was half of their scoring in the first tw- 28 minutes. They win the game in a walk. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 this is not anything to lose your mind about because it's a young team. But if the Blazers can improve a little bit, I mean, instead of being like, you know, 5 and 12, you know, they can be 12 and 5. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to flip the switch on the results. No, it doesn't. And, uh, and speaking of that, they were able to flip that switch. Um, the following night, last night against the uh, Indiana Pacers, a game they were able to close out and finish the game. It's the Pacers team that has been solid this year. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Tyrese Halberton is a legitimate star in this league. He's having a terrific year, leading the league in assists. He put it all on display in this game. 33 points, 9 assists for him. Didn't get a whole lot of help from his Pacers teammates, uh, but the Blazers took their best shot, and uh, they were able to eke out a win 114 to 110 you got to give a whole lot of credit to Jeremy Grant who really put this team on his back in the fourth quarter 17 of his 34 points coming in the fourth quarter alone by the way had seven rebounds in this game for Jeremy Grant we've talked about it uh, time and time again not a good rebounder by any stretch of the imaginations of power forward he's playing now more small forward and uh, ends up getting some rebounds so you know the other funny thing, how that works the Blazers you know my guy is Shaden Sharp I thought the Blazers should have drafted him. I think he's a guy who can create his own shot. He's going to have a downturn this year because people are going to figure out what his tendencies are, and I think he's going to overcome that. But he had six assists in the game against Indiana, and there were stretches last year where he had six assists in, like, five games. Yeah. So, you know, he he's kind of real – I mean – his line was five rebounds, six assists, 11 points. He is going to be like... Three steals, by he, the way. He's going to be like a LeBron James guy who's like 20 points, five or six rebounds, five or six assists, again and again and again. He's yeah. going to get there. Well, then that's the thing that go that I go back to is with the same with the uh, Scoot Henderson is these guys, even on nights that their offense is not clicking, which they're going to have, they're still able to positively impact the game. 
fill out the stat sheet in other ways. You know they're at least going to play hard defense. So it's unlike uh, you know things we've seen in, in, in years past where if the guy's not scoring, he's not helping at all. You've got these multidimensional players that are not just scorers. They can offer a lot else. And it really helps when they're having an off night because you can still have a bunch of positives that you can point to. The other thing that I really like what the Blazers are doing right now, and I hate to say this because I hate to say anything that could possibly positively reflect on Chauncey Billups, but Matisse Thibel coming off the bench, he had no points in 29 minutes but was plus 10. That guy was coming in and making a really positive difference. Strong defender, certainly. Yeah, he took yep. two shots and he missed them. But that guy made use of his time. And I love that. That there's a he's he should be coming off the bench because then you could say, All right, make him a small forward off the bench, mm-hmm. be a shooting guard off the bench. Love it. Yeah, I, I think that was a great move to uh to go back to what I talked about earlier. Boom moving the bigger to Monty Kamara into the starting lineup. Not only, you know, does it make you a little bigger, it helps out Jeremy Grant as well, gets him back into his more natural position, lessening Matisse's role a little bit, um, but he's still able to have a big impact off the bench and he's he's shooting the three point ball really well. He's shooting it, you know, just shy of thirty eight percent. So and you know he's gonna play terrific defense, averaging a steal and a half a game. He just brings that energy off the bench. I, I really like what I'm seeing out of him. If he can continue to uh to knock down that three-point shot at a, a consistent level, he's a, a really good piece going forward. So I think that, yeah, that personnel-wise, that was a really strong move by Chauncey Billups. Now, what we did see in this game is that typically the Blazers are a team that is scoring a lot of bench points. It's a lot more balanced. But in this game, they really leaned on the starters, and it was the big three uh, of Grant, Aiton, and Malcolm Brogdon. And Malcolm Brogdon got the uh, the dagger shot at the end that puts you up four 114 to 110, but Brogdon 24.7 assists. DeAndre Ayton a huge game, 22 and 13 boards, and then Jeremy Grant, as I mentioned, 34.7 rebounds, three assists, and three big blocks for Jeremy. So he's gone down in position, but he's playing bigger. Uh, so just a, I, I love what I saw out of this, and it was a, you know, it was a, a game where you leaned on your stars to step up and they did and that was what was cool to see especially you know this was less than you know well a little bit more than 24 hours because that Milwaukee game was earlier but this was just a day after blowing the biggest lead in the NBA this season and you come back out you overcome a terrific performance by one Tyrese Halbert a Pacers team that has been solid throughout this year and you eke out a gritty 114 to 110 victory so I just love to see the bounce back from that now you get a couple days off and your road trip continues in Cleveland on Thursday so I'm very excited to see uh, what this team can do again this should be a three game winning streak as it stands you've won two out of three you get the split in there losing uh, to the Bucks with that blown lead but um, I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to come out and do in Cleveland and and, you know a couple weeks ago if you told me that I would be excited coming into a game um, I don't know that I believe you but but here we are they you get you get some guys back healthy and Brogdon and and Scoot and it's amazing what can happen when you when you've got your personnel in there and you're starting to see them develop that chemistry and you're starting to see them grow as a team well I mean the other thing is that uh Anthony Simons is gonna get healthy I don't know when but when he comes back and then you have the Brogdon Henderson sharp Simons I'm not sure who's going to be starting in that situation but when that's your your rotation and then you have 
I think that Skylar Mays is going to have a real problem because you have Matisse Thibel, I would take over Skylar Mays. And I don't think you really want to have more than five guards that you're regularly using. So I don't know where they all come in. But uh, the Blazers' backcourt, I think, is going to be potentially is as good as anybody in the league. Yeah. I got a theory, though. I think they're going to take their sweet time bringing Simons back because uh, if I know anything about Joe Cronin, it's that uh, he likes good draft picks. Uh-huh. And I think he's looking at the standings saying, why would we bother bringing back Anthony Simons when we can uh, still get another lottery pick? So I, I have a sneaking suspect. I don't think they're going to hold him out the whole year, but I would not at all be surprised if they really drag their feet bringing Anthony Simons back and, uh, and take their sweet time there. Well, who do you think would have to play? Who do you think would have to take it to the next level to make Simon's dra- uh, trade bait? To make Simon's trade bait, I think it would be a really it would be a, a Scoot Henderson stepping up to that next level, which it will probably happen. I have confidence it will happen. It hasn't happened yet, but if you can get him, it's going to be interesting because then you're looking if if you're talking about Simon's as trade bait. And you, then you're talking about Brogdon as trained bait. Then you're losing two huge guards in there. Uh, and that might be where a, a guy you mentioned, Skylar Mays, steps in because he's shown that he's a competent, uh, really solid NBA backup point guard. So I think when you can fully trust the uh, the backcourt of Shaden Sharp and a Scoot Henderson, that's when it's time to start thinking about if it is time to move on from an Anthony Simons, from a Malcolm Brogdon um, and maybe, you know, draft another guard coming up here. There's a lot of them out there. So to, to answer your question, it would be that. It's when you fully have confidence in Scoot and Shaden that this is their team to take over. So if you have – if your starting backcourt is Scoot Henderson at point guard and Shaden Sharp as your shooting guard. Yes. You got Skylar Mays in the, as a backup. I think he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say Matisse Thibel is your backup shooting guard. Yes. Would you trade Brogdon and Simons and go like those add up to about forty five million a year? <laughs> Would you go for a big time big, like a an all star big? I mean, I think you got one right now, and DeAndre Ayton. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to make the all star game, but he is looking really good, and I I th- so. I would go more for a young forward. I think that's your that's your and you've got some. You've got Tumar Tumani Kamara who looks solid. You've got Jabari Walker who looks solid. So you've got these second round picks uh, that have certainly looked like they panned out. Chris Murray's hardly played, but I still got a lot of confidence in him. I really like DeAndre Ayton as your franchise center. I'm feeling confident there. Uh, so if I'm looking, I think the next big step for me, and if you're looking to move those guys, uh, you mentioned the Simons and a Brogdon, you're looking at either draft capital or a, a another star forward to pair with your shining backcourt of the future. That's what I'm looking at. I mean, he's not the guy that you want, but let's say uh, a Paul George type of player. If you could trade Brogdon and Simons, you package them up, you take it, get a guy like a Paul George, not Paul George, right? Obviously, but a guy like that. I mean, I would, you know, I think he's past the point that you can rely on him because of injuries. But a Kawhi Leonard, you know, that kind of guy. If you put a guy like that with Aiton and Grant with with the guards that are left, I mean, that's a that's a deep playoff team. Exactly. And I think that's the next step for this team is is figuring out how to get your guy or two guys to. Uh, continue to balance out this team because Grammy Grant is great for now 
you know, we're talking four or five years from now, he's not going to be as great. So that's going to be your next big key is solidifying your forwards for the future. In my opinion, you've got your center, you've got your point guard, you've got your shooting guard. You need to figure out your forwards for the future. And you've got some time to do it. You've got some time to work some guys out and see if maybe you've already got it or if you need to go out and get it. So that's going to be the key there. We're going to take a quick break. Coming up on the other side, we're going to have our three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. And after that, we'll be checking in with Dylan Sage of the Holy Backboard podcast to potentially talk about some of those guys, NBA draft prospects, specifically the guys in college ball right now. So that's coming up next right here on Blazers Edge Radio on X-Ray FM. Support for X-Ray comes from Beeline Urban Delivery. Beeline supports businesses with access to zero-emission delivery, warehousing, and advertising services. More at b-linepdx.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery, located in southeast Portland for over 15 years. New Deal Distillery makes craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. New Deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. For more information, visit NewDealDistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Spielman Bagels and Coffee. Opened by Rick Spielman and his son Raf, Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. Back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio. It's now time for three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. New Deal's been located in Southeast Portland since 2004. They make craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. Their spirits are available in their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street, as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. As always, more information is available at NewDealDistillery.com. Before we get to our questions, I want to remind everybody the X-Ray text line is open. We're going to be talking draft prospects in just a minute. If there's someone uh, that you want to nominate, someone that you'd like to see on the team, someone you're keeping your eye on, hit us up, 971-220-5979. That is 971-220-5979 on the X-Ray text line. And, Stephen, what is our first question this week? Our first question is a good one. Has the iteration of the Grizzlies already seen their high water mark? Yeah, it's fascinating what's going on in Memphis. And John Morant suspended 25 games, so he's got another 10 or so left of that suspension. But they are a hot mess right now. I mean, they they have been dreadful this year. They have been they're one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, they're worse than the Blazers, which who would have possibly thought that? I know Stephen Adams is out too. Brandon Clark, you've got some injuries, but this team is a disaster. Uh, three and thirteen on the year. This is a team that finished second in the Western Conference each of the last two years, and they have just fallen off an absolute cliff. I think this Jaw Morant situation has just absolutely just really hurt their psyche. I think it's I think it's just worn them down. And I'm going to be honest. 
I think this we could have already seen the high watermark, and I think it might have been two years ago when you made it to the conference semifinals, and we were talking about this team that was way ahead of schedule, and they're going to be a team to watch out for the for the next decade. And now, you know, less than two years later, uh, they can't score, <laughs> and they their uh, franchise player is uh, a a giant question mark going forward due to off the court activities. So. I didn't. I never thought I'd be saying this, but yeah, at this point, it it kind of looks like we've seen the high water mark at least at this iteration. I think it's time to make a move, uh, do something. You got to shake this up because I mean, we'll see. They're gonna wait and see how Jaw looks when he comes back, and maybe things will magically turn around. But I don't see it at this point. Well, you know, it, it's funny about the NBA. Like the Pistons have a good roster, and they've lost fourteen in a row. The Spurs won the lottery. I mean, like, they won the lottery. They got a generational talent, and they've lost 12 in a row. Yeah. So the question with the Grizzlies is, like, what has to happen for them to turn around? And I think that John Morant, if he can just not cause problems, like, say, like, not brandish a gun for the rest of the season, come back we in. We saw that camera. <laughs> I mean, really, it's like it's not that hard. But if he can, you know, clean up, he's a guy that could turn a team around. And I'm not sure that, you know, that will result in a play-in spot, but it really comes down to, do you get John Morant, who's a really amazing, exciting player, to play like he's capable or not? I think that in any iteration of the Grizzlies with a healthy, mentally and physically healthy John Morant is going to be a dangerous team. Yeah. We'll see. I'm in uh, I'll believe it when I see it mode with the Grizzlies until further notice. Um, I've been as big a fan of, of them as anybody over the last couple of years, but they've clearly lost something, and, and I don't think it's just that John Morant's out of the lineup because this is a team that played really well without John Morant out of the lineup when he was hurt a couple of years ago and, and last year. So, so something is clearly going on there in Memphis, and uh, uh, if I were a Grizzlies fan, I would have legitimate cause for concern. Question number two. Question number two. Are the Sixers in the same class as the Bucks and Celtics? Yeah, it's funny, you know, when we did our NBA season preview, we talked about the two teams that stood head and shoulders above everybody else, the Celtics and the Bucks. Obviously, they're still right there. Orlando's gotten off to a really hot start. I don't buy them as a uh, championship, championship contender. But then, you know, the thought was, well, what do we do with the Sixers, right? They're good. They've been good. Um, they haven't made it as far as they've wanted to in the playoffs, but they've still got the MVP. Uh, they've got Tyrese Maxey. They're clearly not missing James Harden at all. Uh, he is now the LA Clippers problem as they have turned into a, a mess. By the way, we're going to give our uh, NBA awards, uh, quarter season awards next week. Here's a uh, quick preview. My least valuable player, James Harden by a mile because you're looking at the Sixers look great without him and the Clippers went from a nice little start to a uh, bit of a walking dumpster fire although things have gotten slightly better although they did lose the Nuggets last night uh, a Nuggets team by the way without the Joker and Jamal Murray not great especially for a Clippers team that was a full strength but going back to the Sixers yeah they look really really strong you got the new coach and Nick Nurse I think it's it's got a it's helped to have a different voice in there they seem energized Joel Embiid's only missed two games this year if the season ended today, he's my MVP again. I mean, he's playing out of his mind right now. Maxie's taking it to the next level. 
Um, this is just a really, really solid team, and I think they're right back there. You know, I know we're only 17 games in, but they're 12-5. and five. They just obliterated the Lakers last night by 44 points. Worst loss in the professional career of LeBron James. He's been around for, what, 20 years now? And that was the worst one. And Joe Embiid, a 30-point triple-double. So, yeah, I'm I'm 100% back in on the Sixers. I think they're right there. I think this is the three-team race out east with the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Sixers. I think it's going to come down to who can stay healthy. So I'm going to have to disagree with you here okay. on principle because for I would I would say yeah it's you know Celtics Bucks Sixers except for two things Miami has been playing really well they were ten and five until they lost the last two mm-hmm. games they're not waiting for playoff Jimmy he's been playing good already and Orlando is number two and if could they won seven in a row I'm just seeing here I didn't quite realize they were that hot but I know they're twelve and five but yeah they have won seven in a row they look they look really good no question about it I just can't buy it on them yet yeah I mean it's uh I don't think that they have they're very close they're close I just don't think they're there yet and partially because of Orlando okay and I will say with the Sixers they're at the situation they're at the point where it really doesn't matter what happens in the regular season they will be entirely judged based off what they do in the playoffs. And so that's really the key in all of this. They look great right now, but for them, the 82 games of the regular season doesn't mean a damn thing. They will be entirely judged, as they should be, with the, the experienced team that they are. And they, you know, they've been to the playoffs. They've been there time and time again. They keep falling up short. Um, that's going to be the, the true test for them, is, that, is this season really different? Can they make a deep run in the playoffs like we have not seen? We're going to take one more quick little break, get Dylan Sag set up, and we're going to be talking NBA draft prospects. That's next here on Blazers Edge Radio on X-Ray FM. Support for X-Ray comes from Beeline Urban Delivery. Beeline supports businesses with access to zero-emission delivery, warehousing, and advertising services. More at b-linepdx.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery, located in southeast Portland for over 15 years. New Deal Distillery makes craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. New Deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. For more information, visit NewDealDistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Spielman Bagels and Coffee. Opened by Rick Spielman and his son Raph, Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. Back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio, Ryan Buchanan, Stephen Glickman, uh, astute Observers might have noticed that that was only two questions in our three questions brought to you by New Deal Distilling. That's because I had to call in uh, our resident NBA draft expert to uh, for our third question, which is which college prospects are you really looking for? So we've got Dylan Sage from the Holy Backboard pos- podcast talking about his favorite thing in the world the NBA draft and NBA draft prospects. Sage, I know there's uh, some G League guys and some international guys that are ranking really high right now, but for the uh, purposes of today's show, we're going to focus on the American college players. So 
you know, who, who's a first things first? Who's the who's the one guy that really stands out right now for you in the in the college game, looking towards the draft? Why do you have to? Why do you have to bring up college, man? <laughs> like this year, draft evaluators were really hyped about the draft class, and this was before the college season started. They were like, you know, it was supposed to be bad. This is pretty decent. Now we're watching these college stars play, and I'm like, well, this is a bad draft, but. I would say Isaiah Collier from USC is probably the number one uh, uh, college basketball player right now. Um, he has a little bit of turnover issues, but he is very, very rock solid and probably the number one point guard unless you're a, a foreign basketball fan and then you go with uh, Topic from, uh, goodness, let's see. Uh, KK Topic Mega is from KK uh, Basketball. Whoever that is, yeah. Um, okay, well, well, let's let's go off script, okay? Because because uh, I am not very familiar with Mr. Topic's work. So uh, tell us a little bit about him. Have you gotten to scouting him at all? Oh yeah, uh, I, I think he is the best point guard. I think he is he's a little bit ahead of uh, uh, Collier. Okay. He he has this really awesome downhill uh, game where he just gets super skinny and gets the basket at ease, and then his slashing ability leads to his passing and he does a lot of really interesting uh ways of passing the ball it kind of it kind of reminds me of bob Cousy the way he passes the ball in a <laughs> that's not in, a cough i was expecting offense. but okay but i i really i i think of topic as a uh bradley beal type of player okay wow okay so high but alexander star is the best since we're going off script so much alexander star is the person that everybody needs to watch Okay, and he is the uh, younger brother of former Blazer Olivier Sar, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and he's playing for Perth right now, mm-hmm. seven foot one Frenchman. Uh, yeah, two hundred seventeen pounds. Who who was kind of a an NBA current NBA player that he reminds you of? Evan Mobley or Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay, like that 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 archetype is just so successful in the NBA right now. Like having that type of unicorn power forward. I mean, Ch- you can even throw Chet in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sar is just like that. Like the 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 way that he can block shots and changes everything defensively is really beautiful. And then he hits clutch shot after clutch shot after clutch shot from three. So he kind of would be perfect. I know you were talking about the power forward that would uh, match with Da. I think Sar would be. The, the premium mm. the person in the draft to match with not only DA, but Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure Blazers are going to be picking that high this year. We'll see because uh, he's going to be one of the first picks off the board for sure. Uh, but the Blazers are uh, going to have two first-round picks. Um, it looks like um, another pick coming over from the Warriors as well. Now, is that is that protected? Is that a is that a protected at all? Safe? I think it's top four. I think okay. it's top four protected. Top four. So you're pretty safe there. So yeah, you're gonna yeah. have two first round picks if you're Portland. Uh, two lottery picks. At, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. There's still there's still a lot of time for the Warriors to uh, figure things out. Going back to the college game, I want to talk about a couple of uh, Kentucky guys um, as I've been watching them a little bit. Yeah, you know they had the the he, the top recruit DJ Wagner, um, son of Dewan Wagner, who played um, back in the Cavs back in the day career didn't quite turn out the way he was hoping he had some medical issues but uh what do you think of dj wagner it's been a little bit of a disappointing start for him to his kentucky career for such a hyped guy and then another guy to keep an eye on um a nice wing justin edwards another uh i think they've both been i think they've both been rather 
rather bad this so far in this this year like they've both been rather disappointing like against real competition didn't edwards only score one point against kansas i remember texting really you game. during that game they both had a horrific this was the uh the champions classic correct mm-hmm. they both yeah. looked awful in that game and that was like the big everybody tuning in to see them and then yeah. they didn't do a damn thing that that small point guard was the one who was the exciting the exciting uh player and then it was just for uh, kansas, hunter dickinson right? what yeah was that? for kansas harris well i think well he was also very exciting but i think it was like Dillingham. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Rob Dillingham. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, for Kentucky. Yeah, he's been the one. He wasn't as highly ranked as those other guys, but he's kind of been the one that has taken people by storm this year. You know how good you have to be to be a five eight player, dominating in college basketball. Like you have to be. Your skill level has to be so high. Have you watched Virginia yet? No, I have a really hard time watching Virginia. Okay, because uh, there's a guy, uh, Ryan Dunn who I think Blazer fans would really love. He's just this this amazingly high-level defender. He was a gadget guy uh, last year for them, doing a lot of defensive stuff and being really impressive. But this year, he's actually able to shoot. So Ryan Dunn right now on Tankathon is 15th. So that's kind of where the Warriors are projected to be. Cause they're, they're awful right now because Andrew Wiggins is the worst basketball player in the NBA. But... Ryan Dunn is a person that you could you should watch if you're uh, thinking about that second uh, first overall uh, first round pick. Excuse me. Okay, I will I will have to uh, tune in and check him out. I I, I hate watching Virginia uh, just because they're so boring and they're so slow. But I'll check it out just for uh, just for Mister Dunn to to get a look at him. Now let's talk big guys. Um, Donovan Klingen, uh, interesting player at UConn. I know you had your eye on him coming into the season. He's taken over as the starter now that Adama Sanogo has moved on. Um, He's putting up really big numbers so far. Um, Do you see it translating to the NBA? I think so, just because of his movement ability. He lost a lot of weight uh, coming in from his senior year of high school. So he slimmed down, and he's still like 7-1 and moves just so well. So I, I, I could see him actually being a NBA center because of the movement ability. Like, and, you know, post-defense, this post-defense is pretty amazing. So I really like clinging, but because of DA, I don't I, I don't think that we would be drafting him no. with, with the Blazers pick, but he is really interesting to watch. He's just so strong and moves so well for a dude that's like seven feet tall. So assuming that Sar is off the board and a guy like Collier too, who would be your top target for the Blazers right now if you're looking in that 5 to 10 range? Oh, God. So uh, you, have you watched uh, Riley uh, Kugel from uh, Florida yet? I have not. So he, so last year he was uh, kind of underwhelming, but his uh, point guard got injured and he started taking off. And so he's sophomore year. He's kind of like the main initiator for the Florida Gators, but he has been absolutely killing it, getting like 20 points, like seven rebounds, a few assists. His bag, the way that he can generate space for himself to shoot and score, I think would be really nice with a Shaden Sharp and a Scoot Henderson. I, I, I just don't think the Blazers can afford to 
draft non-shooters anymore just because you need Scoot to have space. And Shaden does his best work with two feet in the paint as well. So having some spacers like Kugel and, I mean, I'm going to throw them in, Melvin Ajinka from France, those guys can actually shoot and make life easier for Scoot and Shaden. All right. I like that. Anything that can make their job easier is certainly going to help. I got another game name for you that's really stood out to me this year. Um, Cody Williams, uh, the uh, younger brother of Jalen Williams from the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, not the bigger Jalen Williams from Arkansas, but the uh, smaller Jalen Williams that had a great rookie year last year out of Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. His uh, younger brother, Cody, is a blue-chip prospect at the University of Colorado, and he's he's have gotten off to a great start in his career. Just a multi-dimensional player, strong defender. He can shoot the rock. He can handle the rock. I really like what I'm, I've seen out of him in the early going, 6'8", 190. Uh, have you got a chance to check out uh, Mr. Williams at all yet? Unfortunately, I haven't. This this year, you kind of have to just be on your toes with everything since there's so many good foreign-born players. There's so many G-leaguers that are good. There's Americans that are obviously good. So I have yet to see Cody Williams, but I, I definitely will. Someone that I've been really impressed with is Trey Alexander from uh, Creighton. Mm-hmm. Have you watched him? I, I haven't the, watched him this year, but I've seen him in the, the first couple years of his career. And, yeah, he's uh, well, and he's looking to take it to the next level because Nemhard transferred out to Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. So that's really his backcourt now. So he actually had this humongous athleticism boost where he's, he, you know, he was under the basket type of score. Now yeah. I think he's already matched his uh, – his total in dunks and layups. So if he's really found that next level of athleticism, like he was such a smart player and he was such a good shooter. So if he can find those easy points under the rim, I really think Trey Alexander is going to be a first round. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. He's not a guy that I would have thought of as a, as a first round pick coming into this year, but he's certainly gotten off to a good start and uh, we'll see. Um, Now, Let's talk about those G League guys for a second here. There's a couple that are really in the top five, kind of. You're looking at Tankathon right now. They've got Ron Holland at one. They've got Matas Buzelis, uh, the Lithuanian, at, at four. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on, on those guys so far. No, I think we lost him. We lost Dylan Sage, but we got in a lot of uh, of uh, his favorite NBA prospects. I haven't had much of a chance to check out the uh, the G League guys yet this year, but I was uh, I was curious to hear his take. We'll certainly have him um, back on um, throughout the season as well. Um, but you can watch those guys playing for the G League Ignite. Ron Holland, who would have been the top collegiate prospect, he opted to go the G League route, and then. Uh, Buzelis as well, 6'11", small forward. But there you heard it. Yeah, uh, Cody Williams is a guy who, to me, has, has stood out the most uh, of the of the players that I'm looking at and a guy that would certainly make a lot of sense in a Blazers uniform. And, oh, by the way, you've already, you already know that he has a good bloodlines because his brother's doing it for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But that was Dylan Sage from the Holy Backboard podcast. We thank him for his time. Stephen, uh, just a few minutes left here. The Blazers' road trip continues. They're taking on Cleveland on Thursday night. couple well-earned days off here after the back-to-back thing. You've got 
at Utah on Saturday. That should clearly be a winnable game. You've already beat them once. They are, are not very good. Uh, and then you're taking on the, the Clippers on, on Monday in L.A., and we have talked about the Clippers' struggles. So this is a really winnable stretch here uh, if you're the Blazers. You know, the, the Cavs, they're starting to turn it on a little bit, got off to a, a shaky start. They've dealt with some injuries. Uh, you know, first time Blazers played them, uh, they were without Darius Garland. He's now back in the lineup. They've obviously got some very talented bigs and Jared Allen and uh, and, and and Mobley as well. Uh, you lost to him once by 14, but again, that was without Darius Garland, so that wasn't the true Cavs. This is going to be a nice little test if you're Portland, um, you know, coming off of a couple of really good performances outside of the second half of that Milwaukee game, you know, a good performance against Utah, great first half against Milwaukee, and then a solid, gritty uh, victory over the Indiana Pacers, and now you're taking on uh, Cleveland with a couple days rest. What are you looking for out of this Blazers team uh, in that game? The thing about the Blazers that I'm really looking for is uh, Malcolm Brogdon is coming out of a system in Boston. The guys, he's been around. He's a really good player. He had 12 assists a couple of you know games ago. I think that between him and Scoot, regardless of what's coming off the bench, what's regardless of what's happening off the floor, what I'm looking for is the Blazers to start looking like they know what they're doing, to start having an identity, to start having some poise out there and I think that I think they got the personnel to be a competitive team and to be what we you know what we want on the floor so what I'm I'm looking for evidence of that I want to start seeing them you know like the game against Indiana what's the number one that thing that sticks out aside from the win is they kept their poise and they won the game because they kept their poise yep so that's it's just more of that and I don't mind if the them losing a game six eight points if they play well they yeah. got to start showing that they, they they have, you know, flashes of competence. I'm right there with you. That's that's what I'm looking. I'm not necessarily going win or bust against the Cavs coming out here, but you want a competitive game. You don't want to go back. You don't want to have many of those games like you had a couple weeks ago against OKC where you're non-competitive. And I get there's a lot of injuries in that game. I just want to see competitive basketball. We've been seeing competitive basketball, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more. Uh, on a specific note, I'm looking for Shaden Sharp to kind of find his groove back. He's been a little bit off the last couple of games. Again, I'm going to chalk that up to fatigue of really having to carry that backcourt during the stretch when Brogdon and, and Scoot Henderson were out. I think he's got some more help now, um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing him get back in that zone that we saw him in and, and maybe have his minutes reduced a little bit. You know, again, we talked about it before we don't want him playing upwards of 40 minutes a game this year i don't think that's in the best interest of the team certainly he needs to play a big role 35 oh yeah i'm fine with it but i don't want to see you run this guy into the ground um so I, i'm curious to see uh him bounce back and then the the continued development of scoot henderson you know it's fun tuning in every night watching what scoot's going to do next I mentioned really rough offensive performance in that first game back, but he's really stepped up over the next couple of games. I think his playing time is going to continue to increase as well as he gets back into NBA conditioning. You mentioned, you know, he was supposed to go down to the G League for reconditioning, and for whatever reason that didn't happen, they sent him straight to the big league club. And, um, 
and he he's you know he's gotten better each and every game. I feel like so that's what I'm looking forward to seeing from him. Continued development from those two guys. Although I do like the the move in the starting lineup with him coming off the bench. I do think that is a solid move, at least for the time being, from Chauncey Billups. So we've got to give him some credit because he's now made two key starting lineup changes that we have not seen in year past. It was moving Tybal to the bench and Kamara to the starting lineup and then Scoot to the bench and Malcolm Brogdon to the starting lineup. And based off the results we've seen the last couple of games with that full unit, it looks pretty good. Looks yeah. like he might have hit on something there. I mean, if you if you really honestly you know, say, like, what do you want to see? I want to see no Blazers get hurt. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. Now, yeah. you know, basketball ultimately is entertainment. What, what's the most entertaining thing? The hero's journey. What's the hero's journey? You go into the valley, right? Mm -hmm. Shadem Sharp needs to... Get he needs to have a low point. He needs to have people get you know be onto his tricks, onto his tendencies, and then he's got to make that you know he's got to he's got to throw Frodo on his back and mm -hmm. take him up Mount Doom. I mean Doom. It's like that's <laughs> what we're looking for from okay. our guys. So if if Shaden can take the opportunity to to take some punches to the face figuratively, yes, and then come back from that, he's going to be a strong player for his whole career which we're figuring you know at least 10 years of him playing you know the other thing you have to re remember is that most players start going downhill past their prime not starting players from 32 on the Blazers don't even have a player who's that old no so there's a lot of reason for optimism um and you know I'd like to see Anthony Sines either come back and con contribute or be a great chip to bargain with yeah we'll see there it's, that's gonna be the long game there steven thanks for filling in uh did an admirable job filling in for sam arnold uh th thanks as well to dylan Sage. great content as always he's got his eyes locked in on a draft well, I, I went into that talking college players and then he he was ready for the foreign guys so we went all we went all for it i haven't really gotten a chance to dive into them too much i've been watching some college ball uh, but hopefully we gave you some players to watch out for there we will be back at it better than ever next Tuesday right here on Blazers Edge Radio. Hopefully we got the uh, the full band back together. But that's going to do it for us today. But stick around because there's much more coming up on X-Ray FM. Flying Saucer Safari is up next.